0: That's Network.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Hey, what's up? This is John Norris and you're listening to the Heritage Radio Network.
2: And some of my songs I have casually mentioned the fact that
3: That I like to drink beer This little song is more to the point Roll out the barrel and lend
2: me your ears I like beer It makes me a jolly good fellow I like beer It helps me unwind And sometimes it makes me feel mellow Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's number 43 in the Good Beer Seal. We're here today with a bunch of Long Island brewers on uh, Heritage Radio Network. It's Tuesday, April 24th, 2012. Give a shout out to our sponsor, greatbrewers.com. Thank you for uh, helping us bring the show to you. And uh, go to greatbrewers.com, learn about the Beer Cloud, a very cool mobile app. To help you locate your favorite beers, store tasting notes, and get beer and food pairing Mm -hmm. ideas, check it out at greatbrewers.com. And thank you to the Good Beer Seal, an association of 34 New York City beer bars, goodbeerseal.com, who bring to you uh, July Good Beer Month, which uh, you'll hear a lot more about on this show. All right, here we are at uh, Roberta's and Bushwick on the Heritage Radio Network Beer Sessions Radio. I've got a very cool uh, group of people in the audience tonight. I mean, excuse me, in the studio. And uh, it's Mark Burford from Blue Point Brewery We're drinking his uh, Blue Point White IPA We got uh, John Leahy from Greenport Harbor Brewing And we got Nico Kramidis uh, Who's a really cool blogger Who seems to be the, the, the best blogger About beer on Long Island So how are you guys? Welcome to the show
3: How about that? Alright, hey, hey. All right, Hi Jimmy
2: So, you know, we don't think about Long Island so much Until we actually uh, go there but, uh, you're, you know, you're so close to New York. You're part of the local uh, New York beer scene. Um, what's going on on Long Island? Uh, John, you've, you've been out there now in Greenport for how long?
4: Uh, it's going to be three years this July. And the funny thing about where we are on Long Island is that, that we're so close that you just said is our, our distributor, who's great, Union Beer, uh, great brewers. They tell us that you guys are so close you don't come in enough the end of Long Island is actually pretty far out there. It's like a two hour drive, but, uh, once you get there, it's pretty great. And, uh, we've, you know, been really excited to grow as a brewery and, you know, as we age, like just be able to kind of access more kind of interesting beers and, and really get experimental just cause we're, you know, that's who we are. So, um, it's been really fun. I mean, we're, we're digging, um, being in New York city and, and, Being at the end of Long Island at the same time.
2: Nico, you've um, been writing about beer for a while. When did you start blogging about beer?
5: Um, I've probably been blogging about three years now almost. Uh, Super Neat Beer Adventure, yes, for Long Island Pulse Magazine is my blog. Can you say that again, please? (laughs) Super Neat Beer Adventure, yes, with two exclamation points. And the comma. Don't yeah. forget the comma ever. Where's the comma go? <laughs> uh, there's other
2: guys here, but right nobody has enough mics. Right we got the... A, there's right there's the, Greg yes. Doroski from Greenport Harbor and and Paul. Paul, how do you say your last name? Kansky, another <laughs> <Yeah>. from,
1: uh, <laughs> Paul. From Blind <laughs> Bat Brewery.
2: So we, we got the, the heart of, of Long Island Beer. You know what's cool about Long Island Beer is that not, not too long ago... I mean, Mark, why don't you tell us about how you guys got started? Because not too long ago, there were just a few people making beer out on Long Island.
3: Well, um, the story really is... Uh, about uh, brewing in other places and i brewed out, out west a bit before coming back home grew up in long island and it's really it's really i think the genesis wasn't uh on the back of haleakala uh, volcano in maui i think it's the genesis of the whole thing and the way the story goes is um, i was living out there at uh, there was a brewery on oahu called uh, honolulu brewing company at the time uh, long gone unfortunately to the history of uh, craft beer but it was A uh, German brewery made a German export beer for the Honolulu market, and I went and visited a buddy of mine that worked at the Maui airport, and he was kind of a kook, you know, and so his, he was kind of a gun nut kook, and so I would come over, he calls us over to visit for the weekend, we get over there, and he's got an old 72 yellow Suburban, he's got 12 shotguns in it, he's got like, you know, a quarter pound of Maui bud, and we got five cases of koalao and a giant tank of nitrous oxide, so he goes, I got something to do. I go, all right, I'm in, what are we doing? So we uh, drive up the back of Hollyhockala Mountain. If anybody's been a tourist there, maybe you rode your bicycle down the other side of it, you know. But on the back side, it's sort of rare and undone. And you go up and you can shoot wild boar and and other such things. And so we get up there at 10,000 feet, and we're we're basically driving around shooting shotguns out and doing nitrous oxide. And, you know, at at (laughs) 10,000 feet, it really has a different effect on you, you know. And so... We got the whole thing at the top, and I'm sitting in the front, and I got the, you know, the gas mask strapped on, and I'm about to let the shotgun fly, and we're, we're just, you know, chugging down the coal out, and it, as soon as that shotgun went off at 10,000 feet, I get this sound and explosion in my head that just was ringing with the nitrous and everything, and I just said, I, I have to recreate that with the beer somehow.
5: <laughs> and so, Mark, so that was you, uh, sort of the
3: genesis of it all.
5: Were you friends with Hunter S. Thompson, <laughs> yeah. by the yeah. way? Yeah.
3: <laughs> it, was, it was sort of a theme at the time, I think. Yeah.
2: So then, how did you start making beer, Mark?
3: Well, the um, and when this is, <laughs> well, my first time was at uh, fourteen um, in 1976 with my older brother, and at that time, uh, uh, you know, uh, homebrewing was illegal still, and so we used to drive from Long Island to Queens, and there was an English gentleman who uh, we used to sell. Barley and hops as a contraband, and so we used to go and we had a secret knock, and he'd look through and see us, and it was sort of like buying dope back before, you know, oh, you back in the you early that for days, for real, way back then. Yeah, so this is my older brother, uh, so I was only fifteen. and My older barley
2: brother. and hop, you had to buy like on before on before
3: nineteen seventy eight and Carter making it legal. It was it was basically contraband and not available in the U.S. And so, uh, you know, from the craft beer start, I was living in San Diego. There's a, a very early brewery in the craft beer scene called Bolt Brewery, which was. Northern San Diego County, right at the base of Mount Palomar. And these guys were were way ahead of the game. It's 1984-ish, 1985. And they had uh, reconverted an old train car and made a brew pub out of it. And it was in one of those villages where everything, they had a candle maker and they had some other people that dressed up in old clothing. And so you'd go and play darts and stuff and we'd hang out there. And the guy had a uh, tremendous cocaine problem, and uh, we, my friends and I, were not doing cocaine at that time, and so we got to know him really well, and he, he was, unfortunately, he was not able to come in in the morning and brew the beer for the brew pub because of his uh, nighttime activities. So we ended up just falling into being able to make the beer. We said, we'll show up for work. We'll make the beer, even though we didn't know anything about it really at the time. But uh, due to his uh, cocaine problem, he was uh, open to that. And so we just started making beer there for him at the bulk Brewery and uh, learned a lot. So you were enablers. <laughs> 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 we're all enablers. That's right. And so we were able to uh, you know, make commercial beer and watch people drink our own beer and, and learn the whole thing from start to finish uh, basically on his dime. Wow. Or Lord. So then,
2: you know, hundred dollars. So there. this was like forty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so then, what happened? How so did you end up at Blue Point?
3: Well, the, what uh, is Blue
2: Point, anyways? Come on.
3: Well, you know, I was. And where is Blue Point? <laughs> yeah, Blue Point. Well, if you ever had a Blue Point oyster on any menu there worldwide, that's uh, that's the little sleepy town, the South Shore, about fifty miles out. So if you're on your way, your Hamptons and your GPS malfunctions, you can come down and visit us. But the uh, it's uh, it's really where the blue point oyster was from. So it's now we have oysters and beer. But I was working at a brewery and a winery combination in um, in Huntington. It was it was an early now. This is 1993 four. Uh, Post Long Island Brewing Company and this is The genesis of really when I said I really Should be doing this myself and we were Making beer there in uh, Cobblestone And the gentleman who was running the place who was a real Nice guy and a visionary in the craft beer scene We had a uh, cask only brewery at the time when nobody Had any hand pumps in the United States so that was unusual How did uh, you do that? Well we didn't sell any beer is really what happened And so we, uh, (laughs) we (laughs) we started doing keg Conditioned beer that's all we did And so we were ahead of the game there but what happened Was he had an idea one day and he wanted to uh, make it a green situation. So we were going to take... Um, trout from the local Cold Spring Harbor Trout fishery and we were going to take The output from the trout And we were going to put it on the field next to us And grow mushrooms out of it and we were going to Feed the trout the spent barley Now it's about August 10th and he comes to me One day on a brew in the brewery and tells me this right? So it was a winery so we had those big Square boxes that uh, grapes come in If anybody's ever been to a winery they see those things So he, gets, he goes down and gets uh, 50 trout Or whatever fills it up with water throws them in there Comes in the next day and the uh, Trout are all dead of course so then um, the day after that, he goes and gets 50 more. And now we're on to murdering a 100 trout. And he comes to me and says, I want you to reroute the glycol system through the trout hatchery box and so we can keep the, the, the water cool because the guy at the hatchery had forgot to tell him that the trout will die above 58 degrees. And it was August 10th and 100 degrees outside. So we, uh, I told him, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm making beer for you. And so what he decided to do was he got one of those ice boxes and put it in front of the place where you sell ice cubes out of like a deli. And he got a uh, contract for the guy to fill it up, and so he hired the, the gentleman there, the, the the help, to pour the uh, bags of ice, you know, at a time into the box with the trout were to try to maintain the 58 degrees. Well, no, no, you know, after about murdering about 600 trout and, uh, you know, (laughs) trying to keep the whole thing in, you know. Was this a brewery or a winery (laughs) I lost track? (laughs) This was a combination brewery winery. It was really. What year was was this? 94. In in Long Island? Yeah, 95, Long Island. This guy was way ahead of his time, obviously, but he, he, it's a classic business story of not to lose focus on your main product, really, but. What was the main product, the trout or? It was called Cobblestone Ale, (laughs) and it was a cast condition, keg condition ale, that was a, a nice amber beer that was out for a little while. And so what happened was after the, we— The beer was good. You liked it? The beer was very good. Open fermenters. We did all uh, keg condition. Um, it was a tough Really open fermenters? Wow. Open fermenters, and, and it was a real tough— um, working environment from a technological standpoint but uh, we made good beer and it was hard to explain to people in that time what keg conditioned beer that the yeast was still in it that it was alive that it was going to be a little cloudy all those things were a real challenge to bring that to Long Island at the time and so what happened was after the uh, a Trot all died and uh, he would figured out that this was not a good idea <laughs> we were having beers one day in the tasting room with him and kind of trying to get him to see the reality and laughing and the phone rang and what happened was it was the uh, the local ice purveyor and uh, they were uh, unhappy that we had stopped buying the ice and according to them you know, yo, you're buying your ice from somebody else, we're coming down there to take care of you! And so what happens was, no doubt, 20 minutes later, four black Lincolns pull up and the lights are in the tasting room, we're hit the ground, you know, the ice mob is now after us, after the whole, you know, it's just trying to make beer, you know, it's just craft beer, so when I'm lying there on the floor and the trout are dead, and we're not answering the phone for the sell beer, and the, the, the our delivery vehicle is a sob that was leaking oil, and the, the mobs at the window trying to beat us up for killing, you know, for using somebody else's ice, it's at that exact point, where I said, "You know, I could do this better. I could do this myself. I could start a brewery for God's
2: sakes." That's awesome.
5: <laughs> that was the best story I've ever. heard. so,
2: so Archie, what, what was the next step? Come on.
3: The next step was uh to just stay icon. on the floor until the headlights went You're away. You're an icon next, overnight, man. Come on. And so then uh, we, uh, you know, we put the plan together and just said, "We have to. Uh, I can do this." You know, the, we saw that there was market you know I could see that the phone was ringing for the beer and people wanted it really badly and we just couldn't deliver in that situation so it was time to you know I was just a humble brewer and it was time to try to uh, figure out the business side of it and I uh, wrote a business plan from scratch and I went to the SBA the Small Business Association they kind of laughed at me and then they uh, showed me the way and there's a, a wonderful woman that uh, that really helped us out and and uh, will always be indebted to her at the Small Business Administration at Stony Brook. She now works over at Farmingdale, Lucille Wevznofsky, and she really worked us through so that we could change the business plan to give to make it look like what the banks wanted to see. And that was a big difference for us from a business perspective. Because you're, you're doing a business plan, and this is nothing. We had, a, we had a barn, you know, we had a building that was decrepit and an idea, and we didn't have... A, You know, we weren't rich guys. We just basically maxed out our credit cards and jumped off the hill. She showed us how to get, you know, extract money out of the federal system, and that's basically how we got off and running.
2: Wow. Awesome. All right, man. So then what year was that, man?
3: (laughs) That was, uh, we, it was 97. And so it took us a year to get the funding, get the building built. We did everything by hand. We went down uh, when the Wild Goose Brewery went out of business. We went to their auction and their kettle, their brew kettle. Where
2: was the Wild Goose Brewery?
3: uh, It was in Maryland. And so they, 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 they sort of got bought by Frederick's Brewery. But that was the the brew kettle that we bought at their auction was the first British brew kettle to come to the United States in the early 80s, and so that was the Peter the first Peter Austin system. Uh, East Coast brewers are familiar with those. Specifically, if you go to the uh, uh, you know the, the New England states, you see a lot of those brick brew kettles and brew pubs and breweries around. And that was the first one, and so that's a piece of brewing so what, history n- for you. Ni-
2: 1998, you guys started.
3: Yeah, we got the we got the liquid off the track. We got the, the first kegs rolled down in 98. And uh, we were off and running from there
2: there's one system that we hear about going way back. is it called the what 's it called ring something
3: uh right so that the, the British systems you use a particular yeast strain called ringwood, and so we did not adapt that adopt that yeast strain for that uh, brewery, but we used that brew system
2: yeah, I mean some people have criticized the ringworld the Ringwald yeast that 's
3: correct uh, it, why, it, why do
2: they criticize that
3: they, it It tends to be um, Overpowering. So basically, if you have a, a flight of beers, a, um, a lighter, an amber, a dark, whatever you want to call them, eventually they all sort of just take on that yeast characteristic, and that's the dominant flavor in the beer. So it takes away from all the elegant uh, parts of the beer that you really want to try.
2: Wow, Awesome. Well, guys in the room here, we got Grainport, Blind Bat, Nico. You want to ask any questions of Mark? We've got, we got a long <laughs> show, but...
4: This well, is, a, I'm digging you know, We this guy. always um, bring up, but that's the first day we closed on our tiny, like, firehouse in Greenport. We had a, a keg of optical in the in the firehouse. I mean, it was not, there was no drains. The Blue down, Point Optical, no that's an
2: awesome the beer. The Blue
4: Point Optical. and it was a huge beer for us. And, you know, for being from Long Island, um, opening up a brewery on Long Island, it's like you don't look anywhere but to Blue Point Four. for... Inspiration for you know how you basically discovered you know microbreweries and 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 what that's all about. So it was a huge um, thing for us was to like acknowledge like exactly what our inspiration was and and that was day one of our business. So I always like that story.
1: Paul yeah. from Blind Bat. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean seconding that. I mean serious uh, kudos and uh, huzzas to Mark and Pete. Uh, for uh, i mean they were pioneers obviously on long island there were some other breweries that didn't quite make it they made it work and they're still here and making awesome beer we all just tried the white ipa which is really delicious it was
2: awesome it's really a great beer the white yeah, ipa so, uh before before brewery. we sign off nico um anything you want to say about blue point
5: um blue point brewing company was uh one of the first beers that i probably got into on the craft side um After college, you know, I mean, everybody's college experience, just drinking uh, Natty Light and Keystone and stuff like that. And when I came home, um, I really got interested in craft beer, and uh, Toasted Lager was definitely one of the gateway beers for me, um, and really opened my eyes to what a brewery can, you know, produce, and what beer can actually, it can be flavorful and, you know, be good to taste, and I just, I'm happy that uh, Blue Point's from Long Island, because they Produce quality product
2: That's awesome Well we're going to Take a short break um, We'll be back In a few minutes On Beer Sessions Radio This will continue We have a lot To talk about
1: <laughs> I'll light the fire You place the flowers In the vase That you bought Today Staring at the fire For hours Listen to you play
2: your love song. All right, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We have an awesome Long Island group of people here tonight. I am uh, not not the poet, and I'm not the lyricist, but we've got we've got the guy here tonight, Mark Burford from Blue Point Brewing, is is the guy, and you're going to hear from him because he's got so much to say. Mark, tell us about this white IPA from Blue Point that you made.
6: Well,
3: uh, it's kind of a new, stylish kind of a thing, you know, this sort of the. Everything IPA concept going on, but I, I really like the, uh, the way the hop flavors, the citrus hop flavors, are a natural blend for the wheat beer and the... Uh, the uh, belgian style yeast I, I think it actually uh, lends itself to the IPA style a lot more than some of the other things that may be a little bit more um, just forced slightly, and so I, I think that it is another natural progression and you know we 've been doing this a long time and I, and I think it 's uh, one of the I think the bottom line for me is the, the fun of being able to create new stuff. And, and I think that is really what it comes down to. And so that, that the crispness of the white IPA, the drinkability, it brings that back to it. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. And it's something that I find that every time I have a pint of it, I'm actually looking at the empty bottom of my glass. And so I, you know, it has that sort of moorish feeling to me where you just want more, you know.
2: That's a great way. To, the more you want more. What I find, the more that I drink different beers, is sometimes when, when I go from brewery to brewery, each brewery kind of has its own style on my palate. And it's like I have to like have like at least one beer and maybe two, and then my palate adjusts. Um, I don't know if you know what I'm saying. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, and sure. and what if that's a combination of everything. It's the mix of of, of yeast and hops and just the style. Let's well, so ask Greg. Greg is the, the brewer here from uh, Greenport Harbor. Um, and we just tried your Maibach beer. Um, how, 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 do you know what I'm saying?
6: Yeah, no. I, how I, help me, help I, me I say what I'm under, trying to say. I think especially comparing these two beers, uh, the Mybach, it's a traditional style that was brewed to kind of celebrate the, uh, the return of spring. It's a lager. A Mybach is all about restraint. It's all about balance. And uh, for us, this beer was about finding the balance between the malt and the hops. So we went with uh, Northern Brewer and uh, Spalt Select Hops and uh, just three lighter malts, blended them together. And for us, I think this is a good representation of our brewery, the way we really try to brew balanced beers and try to make a statement with what we're saying with the beers. I think you can see that with a lot of the beers that we do, you know, whether it's the black duck porter or the harbor ale, going to the direction of the uh, the white IPA that that just like Mark is telling the story has a really great message with it, and
4: uh, yeah, we were just talking about yeah. the white IPA. We made a stop John, before John. coming here at um, well and the uh, sorry. And uh, we were talking about the White IPA there, and heading to this thing, it's just, it's just amazing how small you know, the, the brewing world can get. And specifically, when you're from Long Island, when you start talking about Long Island breweries and going to a place and talking about other Long Island beers, I mean, we got here, Mark was here, he's bringing the White IPA, we were like, oh, well, we just had the White IPA, you know. and we're just talking about the White IPA and how good it was. So it's just that is cool to me, when you can be in a city as big as New York, as New York and hit on a beer that you're about to have in, you know, a radio broadcast studio and have it at, at, at a, you know, restaurant just 10 minutes before and be talking about it. That's that's the cool part for me.
2: So Oswell's in William, Williamsburg, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool place. And, Paul, from Blind Bat, you know, you're doing something totally different. I mean, you have a licensed brewery, which is basically in your garage. Yep. In your home. Yes. And you're And you're different than these other guys. But, you know, you're making awesome beers, too. How did you ever get started?
1: Uh, actually, wine got me into making beer. My, I came to making brewing beer later in life uh, than these other of the, the gentlemen. My wife and I, uh, we made wine for our wedding, and um, she saw me kind of ogling the beer-making supplies in the place where we were buying the wine-making supplies. She surprised me Christmas, beer-making kit, and then I was just hooked um, being a smaller brewer, I have the advantage of maybe experimenting with some things that, uh, you know, doing a smaller batch, originally 10 gallons and now just three barrels versus 93 gallons, um, it's, it's less of a commitment than 15, 30, 60 barrels at a time. So I can kind of play with things a bit. Um, and uh, just to... Uh, a hat tip to some of the you know other Long Island breweries that aren't here today. Uh, I mean, uh, we've got Barrier, obviously, brewing on a small scale, now expanding. Uh, similar thing, experimenting with smaller scale batches. Um, there's uh, Barrage opening up in Farmingdale. There's Port Jeff, which has been going since October. There's Great South Bay. There's obviously Southampton, which has been going, I think, about as long as Blue Point. Uh, what else is happening? Mustache Brewing is getting up and going. Uh, Laurie and Matthew Spitz—they've started a Kickstarter uh, campaign. So, folks, go on Kickstarter, please. Give them a hand. Uh, we've got Barrage Brewing. He's got a space in Farmingdale. So, Long Island is really, really popping with breweries. But a lot of it really is to thanks to the uh, the pioneering efforts of of seriously Mark and uh, Pete and the other people at Blue Point. So. Um, to be my proverbial hat, which I don't have on my head.
2: And, and Nico, um, you know, you're a blogger out in Long Island, and you, I know you write a lot about beer. You're always checking in on beer events. Tell us, give us an overview of uh, Long Island Beer and also the Long Island uh, Beer Week, the craft beer week in Long Island.
5: Yeah, um, Long Island Craft Beer Week is going to be May 11th to the 20th, and it's just going to be a celebration of uh, our culture on Long Island, our beer culture. Um, I think we have 10 breweries right now uh, operating and uh, three brew houses, and uh, it's just expanding. Um, Port Jeff, as Paul mentioned, opened in October, and I think right after that, uh, Spider Bite opened. Um, Larry, awesome brewer. Excellent. And, uh, you know, we're just going from there. And uh, it's just going to be a nine-day just hoopla of various events just celebrating So
2: what is it? Us, is there a website?
5: Yeah, it's uh, com. You can log on and uh check out what events are going on. And then what do you do? Go to
2: to the bars, do you go to breweries?
5: Yeah, it's going to be uh bars are participating, breweries are participating. Um it's not only a celebration of Long Island craft beer, but just craft beer in general and uh you know, whether it be at a Long Island bar or at a Long Island brewery, it's just a celebration of craft beer and uh you know, it's nice to see that our scene has developed to the point where we can actually hold a nine day week and just have events and just celebrate beer.
2: Wow, that's awesome. Well, Mark, let's go back to Mark. Cause, okay, so what was this, 1908? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 1908. <laughs> 1908, uh, you just learned about malts
3: and. Uh, the Model T it was our first yeah, delivery vehicle. A, you know? Who's
2: the guy in England? Uh, Ron <laughs> Pattinson. He's doing recipes about. All these weird things. Did you ever check out Ron Pattinson's
3: website? I have not, but it sounds like something I should check.
2: Yeah, the guys from Pretty Things. Uh, they, this Ron Pattinson. Does anybody know who this guy is? He 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 uh, has a website. I don't know the name of it, but he, he looks at historical recipes, and uh, he goes back to the nineteenth nineteenth century and early nineteen hundreds. And uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to play with you, but you guys should check him out because the, at one time people actually uh, the, the the beer recipes were different and. Um, Pre-prohibition, there was a lot going on. But we'll talk about that another time. But tell us, going back to your, we're at 1998. You guys are blue-pointed. 1998,
3: Point Blue. yeah, we're starting. And so uh, we roll off toasted lager as our uh, first account, uh, first beer. And so two, two, we kegged a beer, we, we put it in our parking lot, and we're sort of in a seaside little spot by a marina down there in uh, uh, next to we call it East uh, Blue Point it's called Patchog, and so the uh, <laughs> we run it out and we didn't know what to do my partner Pete Cotter and I you know we had just started it. we had we just physically kegged everything was hand done and we're standing there looking at each other and we're like what do we do so we just ran around and knocked on the doors of all the, the businesses that are in our little complex and we rolled the kegerator out and we jumped up and down and said we got beer we did it we're not lying you know and they all came out and it was like two o'clock in the afternoon and everybody just started drinking and then, you know you know, the first keg was gone and we were like oh no we, now we now got to go back inside and keg another one you know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay and so we had a few kegs of beer and, and it was really different back then I mean it was really we'd go to the neighborhood bar and you know, in, in, in order to reduce our bar bill, we had started the brewery, and and so it was it was important. And and so those were our good friends at the at our first few places that took us on tap. They knew us very well, and you know they knew our foibles and our troubles and how we acted late at night and so forth. But so they trusted us enough that they knew we knew they knew we drank beer, and so the first few folks put us on tap, the Sage Cafe, the Call House, the, the Sable Inn. These are the people that really, you know, everybody thought, really, really looked at you very strangely when you said you had a brewery down the street. I mean, it was unusual in Long Island at the time. And it is, you know, a tip of the hat to everybody that's in this room right now, because things have changed. And I was in... A, um, just to, to fast forward a minute, I was in a, uh, a restaurant in Jericho, Long Island, where there was a blind bat beer on tap, uh, golden, right? And that's uh, the name of the place, Market okay. uh, uh, Market Bistro. Yeah, Market, Market. Bistro, just right? South
1: of um, the old gin,
3: right? Exactly, and you wouldn't and you wouldn't expect that area necessarily to be craft savvy, but this person opened up a very nice restaurant, and I happened to come in. And I saw one of his beers on tap and had it, and it was fantastic. And it it, it was that I was sitting there, and at that moment, and I'm thinking, how far Long Island beer has come in so long and and, and so long and so short. I mean, it was 1998. Now I can go in for a a guy that's making great beer in Nassau County, and a brand new restaurant's going to accept that kind of thing right off the bat. We're on the right track. Everybody in this room's on the right track.
2: Wow. But go, let's go back to, to the 1970s,
6: <laughs> right? I mean,
2: I mean, besides from the other things that were going on, and discos and all that. I mean. It was really like the black market just to get
3: home brewing supplies. It, it really was, and and it was uh, you had to have a secret code, and it was the basement of like, um, you know, I was a young kid, so to me it seemed like some big giant project, but it was a big apartment complex, and he was a real reserved English guy, and, and once he let you in, we got introduced through somebody, and he had John Bull cans of malt syrup there. If anybody's, I'm not sure that brand's around in homebrewing anymore, but. That was one of the English brands that were early on in the homebrewing world, and he had, you know, some funky old English hops. We didn't know any better, you know, mm-hmm. and some dry yeast, and so none of the uh, ingredients were what we would call top shelf today. Most of them would be unacceptable today, but and you know the directions were one can of malt, one to uh, five gallons of beer, and we've all learned in America that the, you have to double that up. That is a idea that came out of trying to make homebrewing an economic success, you know, trying to make beer cheaper at home than you can buy, and that that never ends up with the quality of beer that you're looking for. We saw homebrewing has changed its tune on that whole completely, and so it really was in the, in the bottom of this old red brick uh, place, and it was kind of scary, and, and, you know, it, it was exciting for me being 15, and it was like, it was really an illicit operation, and, you know, we would drive into my older brother's old car, and I trusted him, but yeah, we were still... Teenagers, you know What were we doing We were hoping not to get arrested And we'd go back to You know Just to get
2: some Some malt and yeast
3: Yeah, really It was just malt hops and yeast Uh, We actually had our own water It was unbelievable And so Even out in Long Island then We had our own water Indoor plumbing Right, exactly It was indoor plumbing And so we had, you know, able to get glass carboys and the equipment and so forth. And we it was really all he wasn't an equipment guy, it was just the ingredients. And so we, we cobbled the equipment together and made made beer in the kitchen and, and did that kind of thing. And we it was some of the beer was, is, is, was actually not bad. Nobody has an wow. ugly baby, you know what I
2: mean? <laughs> 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 wow.
6: Well, yeah, that that's so funny because just uh, for personal context, I was still uh, in junior high school when you guys were were doing this stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. <That's> right. <laughs> and uh, did not even think I was born. Yet. Yeah, right, right. you know,
4: there's there's a, a middle yeah, finger. Yeah,
6: John's like, giving like, me the middle finger right yeah. now. But uh, well, how about Greg? How about yeah. this? Let's
2: jump ahead. I mean, we, we we're digging the Blue Point White IPA and, and the the My Buck. Give me a little more about the mybuck okay? And tell me a little more so about so smooth. Let's talk yeah. about how good yeah. it
3: is to drink down. My, so this gosh. is like
2: now we're here in uh, you know what is this two thousand and what Twelve. seven? <laughs> <Twelve>. <laughs> and I'm only twenty years old. I love this. Um, it's a time
3: traveling beer show.
1: Yeah.
2: But you guys this, this, this is like one of What I love about this room Is that I actually do business With all these guys It's like you know You got Blue Point, Mark um, You know John and Greg From from Greenport And Paul from Bob And Paul actually You know When I'm lucky enough To get his beer He actually comes And brings me His little mini keg And um one, you know, Once people know I have it There's like a little flock Of like maybe 10 people That'll show up Because they want to get Blind Bat And that's like The beauty of like The new You know This new world of beer And then Greenport You got you got John and Greg It's like They're like Their local brewery Out, out, out in You know North Fork, Long Island And the same thing They've got this own little You know Capsule of, of Interests and, and, and fans And um, You know The scene's very cool now And I have to say We're going to raise our glass We're going to say You know We love our local breweries, and um, we're really happy that you guys are all doing it. And we're going to take a short break. We're going to say, hey, we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. All right, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network.com. Check it out. This is like the coolest. Check it out. If you'd like NPR, you're gonna like Heritage Radio Network. <laughs> I'm sure you do because you're listening. It's like but, um,
6: NPR with Jimmy. Yeah, here we are. Well,
2: and other guys and Patrick Martin's. But here we are. We're, we're talking with Mark Burford from Blue Point, which is like you know the whole story of brewing in America. Right here with this guy from Maui to Long Island, all this stuff. And we're stuck in 1998. And we're trying to decide: should we talk more about when he started in Maui, or should we talk what it's like to have a, a small brewery in a place like Long Island? Let's talk about that. So you guys, early before the show. There's some issues when you're setting up a brewery. There's issues like, of course, you know, leases and licenses. But some of the more specific issues are, you know, you have to use a lot of water to make beer. And then also you have to put that water back into the sewer system in your community. So we've got Paul from Blind Bat. Mm Greg and John from Greenport and Mark from from Bluepoint. Let's have a little serious conversation about what it is actually like to run a brewery and deal with the issues of you know water use and and wastewater because you know it does happen. I know I know people that have tried to open breweries and some communities uh, do not want that and others are open to it.
4: Yeah, I I feel like for Greenport anyway. And I thought we agreed not to talk about this <laughs> issue, but Jimmy raised it as the intrepid you know uh, interviewer he is. We. Um, Greenport was a master stroke for us. Anybody who's looking to start a brewery out there, um, we lucked out. It's There's a crap load of luck involved in starting a brewery, and we chose Greenport and for a bunch of different reasons. Anybody who's ever been there would know why you'd want to make beer there because it's, it's awesome and beautiful. But the town itself is just really good and supportive and chill, and there's not a lot of bureaucracy and Um, they were just good to us i mean on every level so we were hugely supported welcomed and as we grew you know people were like god we you know we really wanted you guys to do well but we didn't think you know we weren't sure what this whole brewery thing was um but we were the town like embraced us which is big because i think the you know we talked earlier it's like that is not the first instinct of, of a town or a government or m- municipality is to embrace change and to say, um, you know, we'll, like, take the risk on this. So they, you know, need to jump in it pretty wholeheartedly. And I like the Wisnowski story. Um, <laughs> our, our head sales guy is Justin Wisnowski, Wisnowski Farms. Um, but anyway, so it's like for us it was it was a huge amount of luck to choose Greenport. Um, And we will never forget that, you know, that we were able to grow very fast.
2: And, Paul, Uh, you have an interesting story because you're, like, in a a town in Long Island. Right. And you're zoned, like— for light industrial use, so like- I, I'm
1: very again talk about luck. I'm very fortunate to live in the town of Huntington, uh, the village of Centerport. Actually, it's not an incorporated village, but we're in the town of Huntington, and the uh, local zoning allows for light manufacturing in a residential area, so long as there are various restrictions. I don't bother the neighbors. And um, as far as the water issue goes, we're not on sewers. Uh, we have a cesspool, but we also set up a gray water system because my wife does a bit of growing on the property. We have a greenhouse. So we do uh, quite a bit of that. And I, uh, over the past four years that I've been operating uh, on this small nano part-time scale, so it's not a lot of water that's getting uh, used uh, compared to these other gentlemen. So, so what is gray water? I mean, gray water, you know, it's it's uh, the stuff that you use when you're rinsing when, and all that stuff. The, 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 the water. So when when using you use a brewery,
2: brew so let's right. get this straightened
1: up. Yeah, you have to bring a lot of water in to make the beer,
2: but that's not mm-hmm. most of it. Most not of all of the washing, water goes into
1: the beer. Uh, I mean, cleaning uh, your equipment. You spend I think as much, if not more, time cleaning and sanitizing. Uh, you know, as much as the actual water used during brewing. Um, so, anyways, over the four years, I've only succeeded in killing uh, some of my bamboo. Otherwise, the other plants have been happy. But then when,
2: when you clean things, I yeah. mean, do you using like certain chemicals? Or are you trying to be like, uh, I, I'm natural? using,
1: there's a, a line, uh, Five Star Chemicals. They have more earth-friendly uh, type of cleaners and sanitizers. So, yeah, that's what I've been yeah.
2: using. And, Greg, has this come up for you guys out in Greenport and North Fork, Long Island?
6: It's not so much of a problem for us in Greenport because they have been so accepting to us, and we're hooked up to a sewer. Um Considering our new site uh, that we're expanding to, it is going to be a little bit more of an issue because we are um, putting in a, a, a personal septic system to use. Um, you know, with that said, it's always kind of difficult to deal with bureaucracy and uh, people that don't necessarily understand. Yeah, in a great <laughs> in a way. Good way.
2: The best <laughs> people in the so world. Boy, they are friends. We really, yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. good. <laughs> We're
4: going to dig fifty-four different wells. Yeah. I'm finish. glad that nobody <laughs> can hear you, John. But,
2: but Mark, let's go. But now back to Blue Point. So, Mark, here, you, let John you, say. Something. Come on, tell us about what it's like. You know, you've got a, a decent-sized craft brewery. Other issues with water and waste and all that
3: stuff, yeah, so the uh, so if you look at the mechanics of it all it 's about five to seven gallons of water for every gallon of beer that comes out of the place, you know, so you have to that goes somewhere now there 's the 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 beauty of this discussion, and this discussion that I uh, that I always have with people, is that breweries are not polluters. It's not something that's coming out of the brewery that's bad for the environment or anything. It's about us working with the systems that exist. And so, I'm not boring everybody to tears. The system is the breweries. We all have a lot of yeast in our breweries. That's what makes the wonderful beer that we all drink. And that yeast combats the bacteria that's at the, the sewer plant that's breaking down what you people put into it. And so the, uh, what, what we end up having is the, the yeast and the bacteria do battle. And if it upsets the chemistry at the plant, then those people get very nervous, and their, their, their system, their ecosystem goes out of whack, and they have to find the people upstream that are causing that problem. And so what you do is you set up previous all those informations now as breweries were new to Long Island when we started in Patchog. at the time we started in Patchog in the late 90s the drug dealers were on Main Street using using the pay phones and it was a different version of what Patchog is today Patchog has come a long way uh, since we started and it's a very nice town to visit now at the time we started it wasn't and consequently they were open to having a brewery in their town but when uh, we've grown over the years uh fortunately, and we've sort of maxed out their system there, and so we've had a lot of dealings with them on how to continue there and so it's been been i, I know a lot more about sewer systems than I ever wanted to know in my life. I'll be honest, I'm still back on the Maui Mountain, as you would say, <laughs> and you know I, it, but n- now I can now I can explain so to where anybody. does that go, mark
2: you got you, you, using most of the water is just you're cleaning your equipment, and it's just basically just water that's got some stuff on it, like yeast.
3: Right. So, brewery, it's not like bad stuff. It's
2: not like you know Exxon mobile You know, right? No, we're oil not oil. We
3: are not polluting. All we're doing is toxic sh- chemicals. You no, don't do no. It. no, no it's no, beer. It's real stuff. It's live. It's natural. Breweries are green by nature, and there are certainly uh, most of us are have that on the mind now, but uh, they really are green. Uh, manufacturing plants without a doubt Uh, everything that comes in goes out gets reused Uh, in this in this room one of the challenges on Long Island is what to do with your barley the spent barley that's done after you make beer with there are a few places for to, to bring it to and things to do with it but if you – anywhere else in the rest of the country, uh, spent barley is something that's easy to get rid of. Farmers want it to feed cows, uh, pigs, and other, other livestock. In Long Island, we don't have much of that, if if uh, very little. And so it is a challenge to get rid of your waste products on Long Island for a brewery. And so that, that leads – that's the same kind of conversation as the sewer system. We are uh, having a difficult play with it, but – when you educate yourself and you get to know the people you're working with, and you start your relationships, and you show them the
6: science that they should already know, then you're able to get through it. I think that's something that really benefits us from being so far out east. Uh, we work with a few different farmers out there to get rid of our spent grain, and uh, we like, work. Look like who? Uh, we work with a buffalo farmer um, up in uh, Wading, River. Wading River. Does he have a name? um yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we don't like to to share the name yeah, because yeah. everyone else is gonna no um well, well, there's only one buffalo
3: yeah, crab
4: yeah. There. and somebody in our tasting room actually leanne makes um grain bread yeah so and sells it to a local restaurant so we try to be as like uh you know use as much as we can In in a lot of ways that's selfish it's it's being green and sustainable which we have a sustainable person on staff um, but we also need to get rid of a quite a, a amount of, a large amount of, of you know spent crane and um, I can't even imagine what blue point has to deal with but we're, we put it in large Garbage cans and we ship it to the. Well, Buffalo let's just say, like, and- if, if, if,
2: if you didn't have a system, before we get to Paul, if you didn't have a system, like, I was in Amsterdam once and there was this cool old brewery, the brewery Eige. It's like, oh, yeah. The egg brewery. They're, <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they, they're like tiny, they're a brew pub. All their all their spent grain goes to North Amsterdam to a sheep farmer. And he feeds it to his sheep, and they make a little, uh, like a camembert style sheep's cheese. And then they send it back, and they sell it at at the brewery. That's, like, perfect. But what you're doing, like, even at Blue Point, Blue Point's like a craft brewery, but you're not, like, you know, the size of my fist. I mean, how do you deal with your spent grain?
3: Well, we have, uh, over the years, we've done a couple different things. So back in 1998, yeah. back then, we had uh, the last uh, 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 cow farmer on Long Island. Uh, he used to come and get it, and it was used for cow feed when we started, and it was an ideal situation. He uh, he was the brother of my gym teacher in sixth grade. That was a little weird, but, you know, <laughs> just remembering that guy was a, one of them big, fat gym teachers who used to jump on the trampoline, and you'd look underneath, and it would go way down, and everybody would laugh, you know, that one. Anyway, the uh, so he uh, what he did was he uh, sold, it was in Mattituck, and he actually sold his whole farm for condos and retired. And so that's a that's a, a long, winding, Long Island story that happens over and over again. And so right now we uh, compost it. So it goes to com- commercial composting, and so it gets reused that way.
2: Yeah. And Paul, you're a blind bat. Yes, you're like this on the small end. Of right.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, on, my, on my small scale, a lot of the uh, spent grain is going to uh, my wife and I have a friend, Jen Murray, who has uh, is operating out of Ships Hall Farm in Smithtown. She has chickens and sheep, which are getting uh, the spent grain. But my wife also is the organic farmer at uh, Fox Hollow Farm in South Huntington, and uh, she just got a SARE grant to study the use of spent grain as a mulch. So she's doing a study of using spent grain as a mulch which uh... there are actually in the north fork of long island a good number of organic farmers who might be interested in that so uh... sure we'll, there's we'll some move. cornell
3: cooperative uh... Yes, we, we did some work as well yeah. we did some work with them years ago The gentleman had left but he had a on a mulch for wine uh, wine vines in mm-hmm. particular to change the uh... the chemical composition of the uh... the ground right around the wine vines he was making some good progress he had to leave that program unfortunately Huh.
6: the difficulty though is that we just produce so much of it and that's why for us we we work with three or four different farmers and uh, we have Leanne in the tasting room who makes uh, spent grain bread you know we work with a chicken farmer we have a guy out in East Marion who's doing pigs and chickens Yeah. Um, there's a North Fork Egg Company who's uh, doing uh, pasture-raised chickens that supplements uh, the the feed with our spent grain. We have the Buffalo Farm. You know, to make 30 barrels of beer, you're looking at, you know, at least a ton of grain. It, so it's, it's, it's a difficult yeah, solution. It's got
1: to be the kind of thing where there's no one solution, yeah. uh, many things. And then uh, also there's a guy, a member of, I think, Peru's Eastern Revival and Long Island Beer Malt Enthusiast, uh, Keith Palazzo, who's using, making uh, dog biscuits from yeah. spent grain. So f- that's a thing.
3: Right. You have to realize that uh, New York City creates a bottleneck for shipping for Long Island. So you can't feasibly uh, financially ship uh, the, the product out to where we uh, send our garbage, like Pennsylvania or somewhere, you know, in the, in the rural I mean, so areas. So you
2: are on Long Island and everything has to go through New York City.
3: Right, exactly. And so that's not really feasible to ship your uh, byproducts off Long Island financially. And so you do have to create these. So uh, we need
2: to create, like, a, a baking contest yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. for a spent-grain bread recipe and have everybody yeah. do it or something. Somebody's
3: yeah. doing
1: spent-grain hamburgers,
3: uh, yeah.
6: too. Oh, they really? Yeah, yeah. That sounds
4: disgusting. Let's, let's <laughs> get, we'll get, we'll get <laughs>
6: Nico. We had a...
3: Uh, did I ever tell you about the crop circle ale that we did? <laughs>
4: right. so. We can give you Leanne's cell phone, yeah. too. She <laughs> welcomes all calls. She's an amazing baker, so... Five, five, five. Yeah. All right. <laughs>
2: yeah. Two last things. John from Greenport. Okay, John, you got to tell us about your... Initially, your website was one right. of the
4: coolest websites in the world this, Right, so my, my biggest fan of my website is, is Jimmy Thank God for that um, Our first website uh, was handmade like, at, And that's a generous term for it uh, We basically shot a keg in the middle of uh, Greenport Harbor On the coldest day of the year And it kept sinking So we'd go out there and, and rescue it and reshoot it Like sinking again and uh, we put it on our website and that's the only information people got and thank god Jimmy loved it because everybody else around me was completely horrified by it um, but it was a little bit of cool it was very spare it was a floating keg we're at Greenport Harbor what else do you need to know more than that right. So,
2: and Nico, our, our, our top Long Island blogger you want, you want to ask any questions of, of these uh, really great brewers uh, before we sign off,
5: um, yeah, where do you see long Island going i mean <clears throat> we 're in uh, two thousand and twelve right now, and long Island's obviously expanding um, Where do you see craft beer going on long Island mark go for it
3: well it 's certainly the uh, it 's a dawn. I really believe it that you know we 've been at this a long time, and people ask me all the time you know what, what's you know how do you feel about it to me, I feel that uh, we 're just getting started. I think things on Long Island are exploding uh, the people in this room are total testament to that and it's only going to get greater from here and you know i come i'm from the west coast there's a big there's a big beer community and we're just kind of starting on that on long island and I, and I think everybody in this room you know is an extraordinary person with an extraordinary gift and it's not a joke i believe in that and so that long island i think the, in front of us is going to be just absolutely a spectacular journey
4: yeah i mean we're super excited you know at greenport we're you know making the beers we want to make, we're getting just uh, I think luck is a huge part of of this business because things shift, you know government regulation shift, people's desire about what they want to consume shifts, but we're in a space now where we're, we're like able to make the beers we want, we're making it where we want to make it, and uh Long Island is the place where we choose, so we're super excited about you know what is coming.
1: Yeah, and if I may, I mean, Long Island, very fertile ground. Uh, a lot of that thanks to we've got a, an awesome, creative homebrewing community. Uh, some people who join things, such as Long Island Beer Malt Enthusiasts or Brewers East and Rev- Revival, or people who are just, you know, lone wolf uh, brewers, but people who are finally uh, on Long Island. We are behind uh, much of the country, particularly the West Coast, uh, Colorado, but uh it, long island is ready to burst open and uh, more and more breweries opening and it's great for everybody i'll
2: give a plug i mean if you know blind bat it,
1: it's it's cultish it's tiny
2: I mean, it, it is, really is made in Paul's garage, and it's legal, which is awesome. And it shows you legal. a lot of the potential of, of New York State breweries because you know what? Th- there's some really cool laws in New York which uh, give a lot of uh, support to really small breweries. Whether you can uh, you can brew your own brew- you can brew your own beer, and then you can also sell it right as a, for uh, uh, like as growlers or or bottles out of your brewery. You can also self-deliver, yep. which is what some of the real small guys do. And you can also set up a quasi-tasting room. And I think New York has a really great uh, you know, l- legal environment for uh, small breweries.
1: The self-distribution is, is, is huge in New York State. Not every state has that.
2: So. I mean, right now we have um, Bronx Brewery, which is a startup barrier, mm-hmm. just two alone, that, that actually deliver to our bar on a weekly basis. And uh, we actually enjoy it, too, because we get to interact with the brewer on a, on a weekly basis. And uh, I love it. I think New York has really good law. So.
6: I think one of the great things about everyone in this room is we all are involved in making the beer. And uh, that would be the kind of the one thing that I see on Long Island is being possibly problematic is uh, this kind of move to to just contract brew and not brew any of your own beer whatsoever and be more of a marketing company where it's kind of gimmicky and it's more about the ad campaign you have going and less about this, this product that we all really feel passionate about and that is our kind of avenue of expressing who we are and uh,
1: you know, f- for me, that's very important. I, I-, Paul? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I, I mostly agree with you. Uh, yeah. I, I think um, for the person who is ordering a beer, the bottom line is the beer in the glass. Yeah. So if we can deliver that, then, you know, that's great. But I do believe in the integrity, as you say, as, as being the, the artisanal producers of that. But I think the well, uh, person... Well, let's
2: ask Mark. Mark, one last thing before we sign up. Mark? You know, there's a lot of new breweries coming up that are just kind of a brewery and label or recipe, and they're working. Uh, there's some great places like Butternut's Upstate that actually are making, you know, quite a few uh, breweries, you know, initial beers. Um, how do you feel about this? I'm, I'm, I'm more offended. I want to meet the brewers who are making the beer. I, I appreciate the investment that you're making in a brewery. Uh, how do you feel about, you know, people making their own beer versus contracting it out when they get started?
3: Well, I think ultimately it's in your own – the beer is in the glass. I think that um, – I, I believe that you – in, in brewer-owned breweries, I believe the brewer should be near the top of the uh, the, the pyramid in any brewery, and um, I, I believe that – you know, we you know, we live in Blue Point. We are part contract, part brewer, our own beer, so I have my point of view on it, but you know, Butternut's uh, – he, he used to work for me, Chuck, and he worked for me at Long Island Brewing Company in the early 90s, and uh, Chuck and Leo, and Leo's out of it now, but that's uh, uh, and and Tom Keegan from Keegan Ale used to work for me. So those are sort of breweries that have spawned off of people that have worked for us, and I think that the uh, I think that. The reality is that you have to bring the the beer to people and if it how you get it there and and the 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 mechanism you go through i mean if you want to be on the bus you don't necessarily have to go through the front door and so there's a lot of challenges i mean i we operate our brewery on long island everybody in this room does and there's a lot of challenges to that we also operate contract uh, operations and there's a whole set of challenges to that and i think they both have their merit and they both have their 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 play I, I can understand the, the the people that are just contract customers. I mean, we get calls a lot. I mean, recently. I mean, uh, the one, the strangest one I ever got, there was a guy who, uh, he had a uh, line of weapons inspector clothing. If we remember the Iraq War, everybody remembers that fondly. And uh, they had the uh, weapons inspector clothing. You know, they all dressed up in that way. And he wanted to branch out and make a weapons inspector ale. And so he had called me up (laughs) and uh, wanted to step into it. And, you know, and I tried to explain it to him that it would, if he wrote me a check for a quarter million dollars, I'd be happy to help him. But, you know, other than that, You know, I think you should stay in the apparel business, and that, but that, and and I think that's the kind of thing that drives brewers bananas. is, Is people come up with this? I mean. My my second version of that is, uh, in on the California ballot, anybody can run for governor if you get enough signatures. It's not a lot of signatures. And somebody had called me and wanted to make a beer called Butt Monkey Ale. And what they, the way they were going to launch the product nationally was they were going to get enough signatures in California to make Butt Monkey uh, a candidate. And and so it was okay for that. That was going to legally happen. They had a business plan. They were all set. And they wanted me to help them, you know, facilitate Butt Monkey Ale on the East Coast. You know, and so. So, you know, it's these kind of ideas that really separate what's going on in brewers that are sitting in this room from these kind of cookie uh, and unusual marketing ideas. And I think, you know, the world's, the world's a big place, and there's, there's room for all kinds of stuff. But I, I think that dramatically shows the difference of people who are picking up barley to people who are just trying to take advantage of the situation.
6: And, you know, I, I think for me, even though it might be a little bit self-interested to say that the... The craftsperson who plays a role in the crafting of a product, especially with a craft product, I would like to think that we play some sort of role. And, you know, I'm fine if people want to make beer. But if you want to put yourself in the craft, you know, segment or however you want to call it, I think the craftsperson should play a role. It's the same way you go into a restaurant. You want the chef who's who's cooking the food there to make your food as opposed to restaurant depot
2: Yes. well it's, it's awesome what you've said is is really true um, it's about it's also what happens in food it's about transparency yeah. you know some guy comes in and says, "Oh this is our our new beer," then you find out like two months later that they're not making it and 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 you, and you really need to know if they're coming in with a new beer and they're making it. Or they're not making it and I think that's important because people do want to know you know if you have the craft behind it, I think if it's craft beer it almost should be you should be
1: making it I, I have Paul one more thing because yeah i'm sorry quickly just i mean obviously i 'm making all the beer that i that I you know put out, but for some folks I mean that's uh the way they can only way they can get started i mean obviously I mean Brooklyn uh, brewery, which I think we 've all enjoyed got started contract only and they eventually built their own brewery so um I think there are legitimate ways to get there. I think it's good for the consumer to know where is this beer really made. Uh, and if they care about artisanal in, in various things, including beer, then then choose well, that. Let's
2: say start with transparency. You, yeah. If you have a great recipe totally. and you're making somewhere else, just tell people that up front and give them your vision that you want to have your own brewery or whatever you want to do. Nico. Yeah. What do you think the uh,
5: flavor profile would be for the butt monkey ale? <laughs> I think Mark knows. Uh,
4: I'd like. I, I, let's, I like it. That's our next show. My How about that? Banana farts, I think this is a guys? week of shows. We, 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 we
2: did an hour show. We could be two hours, but tonight yeah. it's one think- hour. So let's do this. I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com have helped I love to bring. This podcast <laughs> to you tonight. Thank you. And supported by the Good Brasile, goodBrissile.com. Thank you again. Thanks to Greg, Paul, Mark, John, and, and Mika. Who's Miko? Nika. <laughs> <Miko. laughs> for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks for our producers, Jack Inslee and Breo Connor, and and guest coordinator Brett Thompson and, and our new engineer back there, Joe. Hey, we'll yo, see you next yo. time on <laughs> Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thank you very much. Woo! I have casually mentioned. The fact that
1: I like to drink beer This little song is more to the point
2: But to put my mouth in gear, this little refrain should help.